We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz Radio News Show. I'm Hassan Rahim. Uh, joining the show today is Dave Gabin. Uh, look, you, you know Dave. He's been on the show before, but in case somehow you don't, uh, you know he is the senior fantasy analyst over here at the Viz. Uh, he's also the host of the Rotoviz flagship pod, along with uh, Curtis Patrick. Dave, honestly, is one of the engines that does make this uh, entire site and venture work. And you can find him on Twitter at Dave Gabin FF. Dave, thanks for joining us. How is it going? Oh, it's going well. Uh, very glad, as always, to be joining the report, talking with you, Hassan. I was at the Patriots game today, coming off a victory, feeling good about that. I will preface by saying today I was mainly locked in on the Patriots, have not seen um, as much of the other games as I normally would have seen. But uh, we're going to make this happen. If you want to talk Patriots, I'm, I'm definitely down for it. Actually, that is something I wanted to talk to you quite a bit about. Uh, you know, Mac Jones today, you, you saw this in person. He, uh, he completed 23 of 32 passes for 310 yards and two TDs as the Patriots routed the Titans 36 to 13. Um, you know, so I wanted to get your thoughts here a little bit on, on Mac Jones. Uh, you know, a hot take that I've been playing around with is that he is the QB1 in this class. I was curious to get your, your, your take there. Yeah, at this point, I think that I have to agree. Um, one thing that we talked about on the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show a couple of weeks ago was if you go into the Rotoviz screener and you look at rookie quarterbacks from the last 20 years and you look at some of the important things you would look at for a passer, completion percentage, yards per attempt, what have you, uh, Jones is landing in the top 10 across a high majority of metrics. It's looked like he's been improving every week. We've definitely seen that if you follow the play calling of the Patriots, you've seen that they've started to continually open things up for him, building chemistry with the receivers, hitting them now uh, more commonly downfield at farther depths. And in comparison to some of the play that we've seen from guys like Wilson, who has really struggled at points, Justin Fields, some of that might be the situation, hasn't been able to put it together, looking better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, at this point, I think you really do have to rule that he is the number one rookie 
in this class and with the way that he's positioning himself inside of this Patriots team that's already taking steps towards potentially being the number one seed in the playoffs if we see the Browns knock off the Ravens tonight, he's positioned well for sustained success. Yeah, one thing that I did find honestly genuinely baffling is um, so like the, I, I know the Titans are hurting. I know they're missing guys on offense and they're missing quite a few guys in defense. But it's still impressive to see a rookie go out there and throw for 300 yards. You know what I mean? Like this this was a game that was won on defense and through the air, not necessarily to the run game. And you 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 were there, you know, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but the one thing that I will say about, about Mac Jones is how he's doing a lot with very little. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking, like, these are all good real-life guys. Uh, the Nelson Aguilors, the Kendrick Bournes, uh, the Jacoby Myerses, Hunter Henry, you know, John o. Smith. These are all very good guys. Like, they're good, but then it's not like someone that, that, you know, like it's not like a receiving core. You're like, oh, a rookie quarterback will succeed with this because we're hearing the excuses being made for Trevor Lawrence and his receiving core, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you really – parse things out and you look at the particular cast of players that they're that they have in new England. Yeah. I mean, there's faces like Hunter Henry, who's been relevant at points and I think is a very good player, but these other receivers and even Johnny Smith, to some extent, never really popped as players that they were type to change the identity of their offense, or really put it on their back or be the type of receiver that in most places you're going to be able to, rely on heavily like I think it's a great sign when you're taking a wide receiver like Jacoby Myers and able to have him be a go-to guy that you can actually rely on and now we're seeing that as well with Kendrick Bourne Um, so yeah if you want to compare that to having players uh, an experienced player like Marvin Jones with a young guy like Chanel. Obviously, Chark is out now, so we can't see that. But, you know, they're not really that different. One could even argue that the receivers that they have in New York with um, Elijah Moore, the young rookie, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder over the year that some of those faces make a better wide receiver core, or at least one that's kind of analogous. So, yeah, it's been really impressive from Jones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was uh, – uh, I – this this kind of shows you how bad his rookie season has gone. But the 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 guy who was drafted third overall, uh man, the on for San Francisco. What oh, was, Trey what Lance, yeah. Yeah, 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 there you go, Trey Lance. Yeah, like so it shows you kind of like out of sight, out of mind almost. Um, like he is still a wild card here, but I'm fairly conf- comfortable in 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 you know saying like Mac Jones probably deserves a lot more respect than he's going to get this year uh, than he got in dynasty drafts and he deserves a lot of respect you know going forward like okay sure maybe his ceiling isn't incredibly high or whatever but like at the end of the day he's it's going to be baked into his ADP you know what I mean yeah um so I mean yeah to bring it back from like the fantasy perspective at this point I think the team only gets better and especially like in those uh, two quarterback leagues, I really think heading into next year, he should be a guy that you're going to want because like you said, the upside is somewhat limited, but you can feel good that this guy's going to have some job security. He's going to be a usable player each week. If if not, at some point, we don't see him start to cracking into having some QB1 performances here and there. No, I agree. And I think the, 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 the distribution for a guy like Jones is uh, it's, it's a little bit more like bimodal, right? Yep. So like on, on one end of the spectrum, you're going to have your guys are the 50 point ceilings, your Lamars, your Kyler's, you know, guys like that who are going to go like fifth, sixth round, right? 
Yep. And then you're going to get guys like guys like Mac Jones are going to go final round. You know, yeah. so you get that that bimodal distribution, and it's like, well, you have to make that's a decision point when you're starting your draft, right? Like, am I going early QB or am I going just if I really need a guy at the end who I can like waver away, then that's the way you do it for next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm, I am excited about Jones. I think a lot of people are probably fairly disappointed by what we saw from this quarterback class um, yeah. at this point. So some of the excitement about Jones might be by default, but at the very least, I do think he's, he's earning a large proportion of it. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of that just comes from people missing on rookie quarterbacks for two years in a row and then sort of chasing it and just sort of getting loosey with the football a little bit. Right? Yes. Uh, you're just, it's just not gonna, it, it doesn't work out every year, right? Like, the, like these guys landed in teams that definitely needed them. Yep. And they weren't fantasy viable. And that's just a shame. That's just how, how it's how it's happened prior to the last few seasons. You know, it's just uh, the, the, the term I'm looking for is mean reversion. We're just referring to the mean right. there. Yes. Um, I did want to talk to you briefly a little bit about both of the Patriots backs today. Yep. Uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Out of curiosity, when you were watching the game, just from the eye test perspective, um, does it feel like does it feel like you know like Damian is just you know he is his grip on this role shaky? I think that right now they are fairly similar in how they're viewed. And I think going forward, you see Harris operating as the back that gets the first carry in the game. But I don't think that you're going to see a large disparity between the actual uses that they get. I also still believe that as the season plays out, you're going to see Stevenson used more as a receiver. So their opportunities on each game probably going to be pretty flat in comparison to each other with a little bit of the shift towards Stevenson in terms of who's getting the receiving work. That said, though, the touches for Harris in the run game, I still think will be of a slightly higher quality than Stevenson. So I don't know if it's a shaky type of situation where he could lose that role. I think no matter what we're going to see at the very least two backs being used fairly similarly for this team, be it, uh, you know, if Bolden gets involved in there or even if something happened to one of the uh, Stevenson or Harris duo, I think you might see the team elevate somebody up off the practice squad, pick somebody up. This just isn't a team that's built to use one running back. No, I know. And, and I, I guess I should refine my question a little bit because yep. I was curious. I was curious because, like, you know, you, you brought up Damian Harris's touches being of a higher quality. It reminds me of uh, one LeGarrette Blunt, right? Like. Yep. He has that. He he gets all those high value touches, all those green zone touches that we just want out of a running back. But, but th- that becomes interesting for Ramondre because he's almost like it's you know people keep calling it the James White role, but for Ramondre it could be more like that Rex Burkhead plus role, right? Yep. Like like you you see because like Rex Burkhead when he was on the team was like sort of used between the tackles between the twenties because he gets up and down the field quickly, but then he's also used as a receiver. And I was wondering when we actually see a full shift into that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting question. At this point, I'm not going to go out and say that we necessarily see that. With the way that this team is constituted now, I'm not sure that's on the horizon. That feels like something that could be in play next year. Um, I'm inclined to say they just kind of keep taking the way that they're operating now until that stops working. 
which, you know, with the, with the six game win streak, Hassan, it's hard to hard to picture them veering off of it. Of course, if we know anything about the Patriots is that, that they're good at making adjustments, changing up how they're doing things. So we'll have to see on that front. Yeah, I mean, it still feels like the team is still trying to find its identity for, you know, for lack of a better, you know, like, you know, we're, we're talking about this being a six game win streak. This is true. But the, I, I feel like the team is still yet to fully click, if that makes sense, you know, because we still did see Brandon Bolden get in there and get a bunch of work. Yep. Right. Um, a well, like, like the well, like, like just going back to the juggernauts, Patriot teams, we never see rando guys get, you know, usage like that this point in the season. Like it's yeah. Yep. So so what I would say to that is I think that there is a clear vision of how McDaniels and Belichick Belichick want to steer this team. They're probably not feeling like they are quite at the point where they are entirely there. Um, but hopefully that's on the horizon. Genuinely, genuinely kind of impressive and frankly very frightening how this team went from where they were last year to where they are this year, like a one year, like re- rebuild, right? Like that's, Oh, I it's mean, crazy. Yeah. You know, like this has defied was, my expectations. I was, I was thinking that like a seven win season, you could say is successful given just the amount of turnover that there's been all of the new faces that they brought in. You have the rookie quarterback. There's gotta be some residue from last, you know, that weird season last year, kind of a bridge year, so to, to see this team be able to do what it's done at this point, yeah, I, I mean, it's got to be frightening for the rest of the league. Yeah, and they get they got a bunch of key guys back on defense, and man, yep. they've, I mean, sure, the schedule has been soft, right? But, you know, something has to be said about teams that actually go out and win tough games, and they also almost upset the Buccaneers really early in the season too, right? Yes, so, that's right. So, I mean, there's... You know, we should have known then that this was going to be a good team, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. So I've said my piece on the path. We can, uh, if you, if we want to hit some other teams before we alienate all of the listeners, not from yeah. New England, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did want to get your, your, your thoughts here on, on, well, I mean, this is going to sound sad, but Dontrell Hilliard, right? So 12 carries, 131 yep. yards and a score. Um, and he also got only, you know, one of two passes. And, and, and of course, wrote of his old time flame, Dante Foreman, 19 carries, 109 yards and no scores. Um, like just watching these two guys play, like, did you get a sense that this was more like a 50 50 split or, or what was going on here? It's really weird to see a game where a team produces two running backs having the day that they did. You felt like this team was never in the game. Um, right. So it was kind of crazy. Um, I think that I didn't did not get the perspective that one of these backs is going to have more of a run than the other. Um, we had some, some ball, ball security issues, which make it a hard decision or a hard uh, feel backfield probably for the coaching staff to make a clear decision on. I guess the thing that I would say though is, yeah, Derrick Henry is awesome, and the things that he was doing, you know he does things that other backs actually can't do, which makes a difference. But I think that this is a team that is built to run the ball. Well, Um, so I think from a fantasy perspective, either of these backs, they're probably not going to be running for a hundred yards every week, but they're definitely guys that are going to be usable in lineups. Um, So at this point, I think I would feel pretty comfortable advocating for people um, 
to be open to starting either of these guys on their team when they need that player that's going to be, or, or when they need a player that they can plug in um, on a week to week basis. I guess if I had to give the slight edge to someone, given what I saw today, it would probably be Hilliard. Yeah, it's just um, if he's still available, yeah, definitely grab him. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it, like you said, it is a shame uh, because you know AJ Brown just dealing with a myriad of injuries. Julio Jones, not I mean bunch of injuries hasn't made it uh, completely created Ryan Tannehill I mean if there's any value here it's in the rushing game or with uh, Nick Westbrook Ikhini I can't pronounce his name is that how they pronounce it the game <laughs> I actually gotta be honest I don't think I even I even heard them say it so um, yeah. but I, think you, I think you got it right yeah he caught the lone t- lone score of the day two for yep. 25 and a score on five targets I mean yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know what we're what kind of fantasy value we can really mine from these free agent guys um, here on the Titans. I mean, I know we have we have uh, I picked up Westbrook Ikini on one of on, on one of the Pent- uh, Pentagon teams because we really needed a, a wide receiver, and you know, just as a stab. I mean, we're never going to be playing him, but as we head into the playoff weeks, you know, waivers lock, so might as well have a guy who's getting some kind of volume that's that's the best i can say if you're play, playing in a league that you've got waivers still going yeah there's no reason to do this to yourself yep we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, it's a bit, it's a bit of a weird, weird day because a handful of running backs had just massive 
uh, slate-breaking performances. Joe Mixon was one of them. He had 28 rushes for 165 yards and two scores. Uh, you know, Dave, just what are you doing? You know, like wh- where do we have uh, the rest of the season set the schedule here for the for the Bengals? And where do you see his ADP settling in sometime next season? Well, so, you know, I'm not sure if the average fantasy player realizes just how good of a year Mixon is actually having. Like, if he's not on your team, I almost feel like he's kind of sneakily been putting up really good numbers. Just to give a little bit of perspective here, Hassan, on the season, he uh, heading into the week, he was seven in PPR per game among running yeah. backs, 13 in the expected points per game has been an RB one in 50% of games heading into the week. That's going to shoot up. If you look at the running back schedule rest of the season uh, for Cincinnati, it does get a little bit more difficult, which could muddy the waters, but there still are a couple of games in which I think he could perform well. So heading into next year, I think when the dust kind of settles, you're going to see him still being drafted somewhere in that like RB eight to nine type of range. Um, And it could move up a little bit because you're probably going to have people a little bit soured on Saquon Barkley, probably going to have people to some extent soured. Maybe we'll have to see. I don't know if Dalvin cook is going to be out for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Now we'll have to see what happens there. Haven't had a chance to follow up on his injury. Um, And I don't know why it'll lose me right now, but there's a couple other running backs towards the top of the list that I think people might uh, be a little less inclined to, to move on to. Christian McCaffrey being one of them who uh, missed, you know, most of the game after he tweaked his, he rolled his ankle pretty badly. Right. Yeah. And then with Alvin Kamara, you know, kind of having a slightly different role this year, also some health issues. We're going to have to see how Uh, things settle out, but you're going to be looking at Mixon probably fairly high. And if this Cincinnati Bengals team continues to have performances like they did today, where they're kind of firing on all cylinders, Granted, against what one might call a hapless Steelers team today, I think um, as Joe Burrow gets more hype, these receivers get more hype in turn. That's going to kind of raise the price on Mixon. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like the Steelers are all but done here, right? Like um, the team's kind of sick of them, like of each other. It seems like I feel kind of bad for Tomlin because he takes a lot of heat in this down for what is ostensibly not his fault. Yeah, I'm I'm quite sure if he wanted to go back and 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 uh, you know try and figure out what the heck to do with, with, with Ben Roethlisberger. He would have done it four years ago. Um, the, the, the front office here has chosen to give him, give Roethlisberger the extended Eli Manning treatment. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we saw Eli get it for one year. They're given Roethlisberger like three years. So, you know, it's just pretty pitiful there. Um, despite all of that and playing through a serious case of, of turf to Chase Claypool, still put up numbers. He had eight targets, sadly only got three of them, but he had 82 yards, you know, with the changing of the guard here uh, in Pittsburgh, it has to happen this offseason. You'd imagine, what are you doing with these guys next season in, in you know, best ball and redraft? Like, particularly Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, given how high their ADPs were this year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, I think from the dynasty perspective, it would have been a great time to unload yourself of Chase Claypool heading into this season. If he's on your squad now, it's going to be hard to do that. Um I guess what I would say would be given the play that we've seen from Roethlisberger and it being mm-hmm. kind of a disappointing year, I think for Claypool at this point, only one wide receiver one week, not the type of thing that you would like heading into the season, given what you saw from Claypool last year, Deontay Johnson actually has been pretty solid from a fantasy perspective. I think that getting a young passer in there 
maybe gives a chance where Claypool could benefit from the team kind of doing some of those creative things that we may have seen Claypool do towards the beginning of last season when the team was scheming up different ways to get him involved. I think that I would err on the side of, I still want to have these guys on my best ball teams. I'm kind of interested in them. And I do think that we will see a natural, um, movement backward in their ADP when the team moves on from Ben Roethlisberger, uh, which feels like something that really needs to happen. Yeah. And I, I don't even, it'd be like addition by subtraction almost yeah. in that, in that case. I mean, I mean like, like, like thinking about, you know, someone like Mac Jones with the Steelers weapons is like, Oh, okay. So you can see where his like seventh round ADP would have come from next season. Right. Um, it's the same, it's the same case to make, right. Like his, his, um, Supporting cast is just so, so good that you're going to get QB1 performances just out of by virtue of him being there. Right. And I think that Claypool and Johnson are good enough that it's not like you yeah. really need a passer that can elevate the cast around him. Because we have seen yeah. at spots when Roethlisberger has been hurt, you know, these guys are able to function. Uh, it was really Juju that seemed to have the most issue when um, Roethlisberger wasn't around and, you know, Juju yeah. probably not going to be there next year. So, yeah, I agree, and and that's and that's quite all right. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get to see Juju change teams and continue, you know, killing it elsewhere because I think it looks like Pat Freermuth really has emerged as as a you know another possible offensive weapon that the Steelers can deploy. It's you know the issue is they just don't have anyone to throw the ball, like anyone reliable or like anyone who's a reliable NFL backup level. I was really hoping that we'd see more James Washington this year. Um, I haven't been able to completely follow what is going on there, like on a week to week basis, but it kind of looks like Washington's an afterthought at this point. Hassan, is that right? Yeah, he he is. It's just by virtue of, I mean, uh, not Najee takes up just such a massive, massive target share that it really is difficult for anyone outside of, you know, the Deontay and Chase, to step up, right? Because then, because when 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 fear moves emerges, this big, you know, another big body to target there in the end zone, and and Najee's emerged at this like safe checkdown option. You've just got you know James Washington running these very um, running these routes and being targeted in areas that rely on a very high or has a very high uh, degree of difficulty for completion, especially for someone like uh, like Ben Roethlisberger who's just out there throwing ducks. It's just not. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing too about Harris has been the quality of his touches, or like the percentage, yeah. right? Like, if you go into the stealing signals tool and you look at the percentage of team high value touches, Najee Harris is still like almost. I think he was at ninety two percent, which is just yeah. insane. Like he's buying away the player in the league that's seeing the highest percentage of his teams. And overall, he's still getting a very high total of high value touches. Just because like you said, the team really is doing so much through him. Yeah. He, he really like it it, just by virtue of like how shot Ben looks like, it just feels like he's almost a primary read in a lot of these plays. That's interesting. It's, it's it's genuinely sad. And, And another guy who's kind of looking like that these days is, uh, his target hog Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, he had he, he had 17 rushes for 100 yards and three scores, and he caught seven of his eight targets for 31 yards and a score. I mean, pretty much uh, pretty much copying what Eckler did last last uh, last week. 
I mean, and but this this new target thing is this target thing is not new, Dave. Like it's it's been going on for a while. Um, so a couple of questions. One, and yep. I know this is going to sound crazy, but you know, are we finally starting to see? And I every time someone says this, it, it doesn't work out. But you know, is Don Brady just sort of preserving his arm here by targeting Lenny this much, or 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 or, or what's the story here? And do you know? Do we expect Brady to eventually turn back into that gunslinger we saw from the first five weeks of the season? Well, I think that Brady loves this. This is something that people always talk about around here: is Brady looking for somebody in that James White role mm-hmm. or that Kevin Falk role, somebody that he can dump it off into or dump it off to in the backfield. I think that this is something that they wanted to do. If you look at the cast of players that that team has brought in, in Tampa Bay at the running back position, like Giovanni Bernard, it's because it does seem that they had an agenda to be able to use backs in a manner like this. Now that they found it, they absolutely love it. I do think though, once playoff time rolls around, then you see him flip back into that mode of being the gunslinger, having another, uh, you know, tool or weapon in their arsenal. Um, you know, I think the other thing is we've seen Gronk get some rest. Gronk had a pretty good game today. They still yeah. probably don't want to overuse him too much. Um, and especially if Antonio Brown makes it back at some point, I think that there's so many things that Next week uh, is a rumor. Yeah. So I, I do think we will see them get back to that, but uh, I do believe that Tom Brady loves using running backs like this. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like, he's he's just, I, I don't know, man. Like, he sees the game different from the rest of us, right? Like, yep. like for him, for him, just the way the field the field goes out, it's a lot, I don't know, man. The guy, like, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it says something when you can go from being, like, a hater to, like, just showing nothing but respect for the guy because of the kind of control he exhibits over the game. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's something else. Um, you got, you got, you got to feel bad for the Colts. I mean, Carson Wentz, he had 306 yards and three scores and two ints, uh, you know, in, in a bit of a losing effort, Jonathan Taylor did Jonathan Taylor things. Um, you know, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Wentz. Yep. He really, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really something, something else when Jack Doyle and Ashton Doolin are your top two receivers, right? Um, you know, like this Colts team, what do you think they do? this off season, right? Cause like this is clearly, they're clearly overachieving as well. Like beyond, well beyond where they should be. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Um, what Wentz has been able to achieve this year, like yeah. you said, I mean, even like, like if you're just looking at things from a fantasy perspective, his stretch between week five up to like week nine, he was a QB one in almost yeah. every one of those games fell a little bit short in a game against Houston. But I think that if you're the the, the Colts, right you have to recognize that you just don't have all of the pieces to get it done. I think you need to go back to some of those fundamentals, you know, probably looking for players on the line, maybe sharing up things on the defense, try to make a couple of free agent moves for receiver. Um, But I got to be honest, like I don't probably have the greatest feel for exactly what this team needs. I just know it would be, I would just love to see them just use Jonathan Taylor every play (laughs) for being honest. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, because because we, we we were talking about that running back matchup tool, right? And like when you yep. when you when you when you're looking at the strength of schedule, like you you might, you might as well just toss out whatever Indy is, right? Because I mean, Jonathan Taylor is the bad matchup, 
Yeah. Right. Like, 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 like that's just the one thing that I think we've all seen is just, um, it doesn't matter how bad the matchup he's still getting there. And I mean, you're, you're, he's, he's not one of those marginal use cases because that's not how you use the tool. The way you use the tool is to figure out if you're trying to choose between two guys at this point, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a far, far and away, like just the league winner RB one. So it's like, yeah, why would you ever bench this guy? I mean, realistically, I think, I think run stopping defenses are more scared of him, you know, like, like they see, like they see the Colts coming to town and they're just like, good God, no, no. Yeah, not this well, time. I mean, Taylor really at this point has lived up to the hype and oh, it's been God. great to actually see the Colts recognize what they have and start to use him in a way that makes sense. Naheem Hines getting faded out, them not really even entertaining the idea of trying to keep Marlon Mack a thing. So that's all been good stuff. So I, I mean, I do think overall, in addition to the overachieving, which they definitely have, yeah. and it does have to be encouraging if you are a Colts fan that they have been able to make some progress this year and you know, hopefully that leads somewhere well for the team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that the, I, I do think that they're going to be an interesting team uh, to to follow during the draft because they clearly do have uh, needs at uh, receiver. Um, so, so you know, maybe they could be a team that would spend a the spend a first round, a, a late first on 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 a, on a receiver this year. So, they would be interesting to follow. Sure. Uh, I did want to. I mean. At risk of making this a full running back show, uh, do you have Cordell <laughs> Patterson on any of your squads here? Oh, gosh. Dude, the one team that I have him on, via the function of going to the game today, I had conservatively earlier in the week had him out of my lineup. I have mm. too many teams to manage. I was frantically trying to do it while walking to the stadium. I did not get him in my lineup. Oh, but gosh, okay. That guy has been an absolute beast this year. We love to see it at Rotoviz, a player that we had been talking about for a long time, being a great candidate to play running back. New England kind of used him in that way. But yeah, he's been an absolute smash this season. And honestly, if he sticks in that role in Atlanta for another season, I think heading into next year, you'd almost have to view him as an RB1, right? Which feels insane for a player at this point in his career. But he's just been absolutely tremendous. Yeah, I agree. Like he's going to be going fairly late, I think, just by virtue of people will be scared, this, that, and the other. But man, he's been he's been good. Um, I really was want, like like worried about his hammy, but it seems like it wasn't that big of an issue, right? When you go when they just give you all the work, yeah. Um, you know, they didn't really target him all that much in the receiving game, but they didn't have to. Uh, the, the the it looked like they went the offense flowed through Russell Gage. Um, Kyle Pitts got a bunch of targets. He didn't do much with them. Uh, the Jaguars were very, very content to uh, let everybody else beat them. And what, I mean, and why wouldn't they, right? Like, yeah. But uh, they decided to just focus all their attention on Kyle Pitts. Um, I did want to get your thoughts here a little bit on Pitts, actually. Um, yep. You know, I've been I've been joking around with people calling him Kyle Shits, but I mean, he really <laughs> hasn't hasn't been living up to the hype, right? Um, yep. you know, just how to, like, and he's probably going to retain this ADP next year. So the question there for you is, are yep. you still going to be in on him at that, you know, late fourth ADP? So it's hard to frame this correctly yep. because he hasn't lived up to the hype, but the problem is, is with a player like Pitts, his long-term hype got absorbed into his rookie year 
redraft season in a way. Now, some of that was a function of the fact that there were just not a lot of other talented players in that offense to kind of distract away from Mm -hmm. the fact that this is still a player at a position that's slow to develop on a team that's probably not going to be as competitive as most teams. So it's not a situation that sets up really nicely for him as a tight end to have this year that can live up to these extremely lofty expectations. I still feel pretty good Mm -hmm. about him long-term. If you look at his career or his rookie season in context of other tight ends, it still stacks up pretty well from a fantasy perspective. We have seen him have, you know, a handful of 20 point games, but yeah, I mean, it's been a disappointment heading into next season. I don't see any reason to reach for him as a fourth round type of player. The probability in year two that things change to the point where it justifies the opportunity cost of going for him at tight end, I don't see as there being a great probability of that. So to me, he if I'm thinking about him next year, I think he's a player that has a chance to compete for that tight end six, tight end seven, maybe even tight end five yeah. type of range. But the number of scenarios in which that plays out, I don't think justifies reaching on him at a spot in the draft where you're either grabbing a wide receiver that you feel pretty good about being a star on your team or a running back that could be an anchor type of piece or kind of fill in as your first running back if you're going with like a zero running back configuration. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, this is all just sort of conjecture, but this is around the time where we do change our, you know, turn our attentions to what we think next year would be. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I do think that there are there are teams or rosters where like this would work. Uh, you just want to make sure that you're not taking him in lieu of, uh, you know, I guess I guess a hypothetical ADP game that I'll play with you is Pitts versus yep. Skittle, right? I have a feeling that they're both going to have very similar ADPs next season. Who would you be in on? I think I'd be in on Kittle. I might be in on Kittle there too, um, just by just because I think I think the scenarios for failure like you said are far too great also not having not having calvin ridley seems to really really be you know hopefully calvin ridley gets better soon and you know we get to see him back at some point if not this season next season right i'm glad that he's taking time for himself but missing him is 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 really really uh you can it's very noticeable because the the step down in talent is oh my god it's it's uh terrible <laughs> yeah uh, like just for lack of a better like i i have no i have no other way to put it yeah and um the other thing is like heading into this game he was top five in expected uh-huh. points at the tight end position but i'm not going to go on the limb and say that the actual quality of those are as high as they should be no um, um for a player that's going to have to function like their top target in their offense. And if you continue to, if defenses continue to be able to zone in on him, like he's the team's top wide receiver, that just creates an even, you know, like more, a steeper incline that he's going to have to face. Yeah. It's just, um, it it becomes, it becomes a little bit more difficult. um, Especially when, you know, when you're looking at those TE scores, it's always interesting because you, you can compare TEs to other TEs, but we know that there's, most of them are bad. It's why yep. it's why we advocate for that elite TE approach. And, you know, you need to be embracing that injury risk. It's a shame that Darren Waller got hurt. He's probably going to miss a lot of time. It's a shame, you know, his season went the way it did. You know, but Kittle also went very, very high. TJ Hawkinson, who we were optimistic on, is, is dealing with issues as well. 
Um, Mark Andrews, another guy who we love, is actually doing well. It's, you know, but the reason you want these guys is because it's like a very set and forget. You know, they're going to get yep. targets. You know, you're going to get points. Right? You yep. don't want to be playing this game where you're, where you're um, I don't know, shuffling between Ryan Griffin and Tyler Conklin. And, you know, these guys are like legitimate zeros. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the biggest problem with Pitts at this point, too, is just that doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of touchdown opportunity no. there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we have not seen a touchdown yet from Pitts. We saw one. Okay, we we one saw t- way back in week seven, though, right? Like, so it's, yeah. you, I, I, don't, I, like, I don't blame you for, forget it, for, for, for uh, forgetting that it happened only because we haven't seen very many good games or, you know, games where you can be like, yeah, that's a good, like, you know, really good player. Right. So I'm assuming that people will talk about making the case about, you know, him regressing to the mean in terms of touchdowns. The problem is I think that his mean in touchdowns in Atlanta's offense is a lot lower like than in that hypothetical of Kittle um, or players like that, which goes back to just not if his ADP doesn't adjust backward heading into 2022, then it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. There's like a lot of there are a, a, a lot of red flags around around this offense. Um, uh, I, I did want to talk a little bit yep. about a guy who, who we love here at Rotoviz and, and what set this up was AJ Dillon. He had, uh, you know, 20 rushes for 69 yards in the Packers as a week 12 win against the Rams. He also has emerged as the pass catching back. And we talked about this last week with, uh, Solis and Devin about, you know, how he's just a pass catching guy now. And just, he had five catches for 21 yards and a score. Um, I believe the Packers have a bye next week. Uh, let me just double check here. Uh, but you know, just in, in the event, you know, while, while I'm looking this up, I wanted to get your thoughts here on Dylan versus Jones rest of the season, you know, using next week as a, as a, as, as ground zero for their PPR scores. Who do you think scores the most points going forward? I still think it's going to be Jones. And the reason being that we just see Jones be a guy that they like to use so much in those situations where running yeah. back's going to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, down the stretch, the difference between them will be that Jones gets the touchdowns. I think, do believe though that yeah. the workload is going to start to look more similar um, than it had, and, and I think it probably makes sense for them to do that because I do think Dylan is really good. We've seen Green Bay have success in the past using the two running backs, and there was times when Jones and Jamal Williams were both fantasy viable week to week. Yeah. And at this point, I think though that the difference is. Uh, Dylan is going to be scoring more points than Williams did. But if I have to break things out, I still think you give the advantage to, to Jones because in that offense, he's going to be the guy I would expect to score more touchdowns between now and the end of the year. I, yeah, I agree. And I was right. So next week, uh, week 13 is the Packers is by, um, I gives him a week to, to heal up a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really was surprised that they, that they, you know, used him at all in this game. It's a good thing that they jumped out to an early lead so they could just have iced him and rested him out. Right. But he is, I mean, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, you know, we've gotten a lot of run here. We've seen a lot of run from AJ Dillon. I do think Jones is still far, far more explosive, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's a back that can do a lot of the things that Dillon does. Um, you know, I guess the one difference being he's just not that huge back with the size like Dylan. So, the, you know, there's some things, but we've seen Packers use yeah. Jones in many ways and him be successful. Um, so time will tell on that. But um, it, nonetheless, it's been cool to see Dylan be able to find success as a player that we felt good about. 
Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, d- definitely agree. Yeah. You know, really, really, I've loved love seeing him play. You know, wa- love watching him play. You know, love yep. grinding the tape on him. I, I, <laughs> I, I can see why. Um, you know, uh, on the other side of the ball, Matthew Stafford was and has been dealing with some injuries. Um, you know, it was reported that he's dealing with you know a bunch of like leg, back, uh, elbow. Still threw for three hundred and two yards and three scores today. Um, you know, and, and OBJ kind of came back to life with 10 targets. He caught five of those for 81 and, and a score, you know, just out of curiosity and, you know, going forward, are you worried at all about Stafford's injuries and, and what impact it could have on this offense? And, you know, two, like, what is your outlook here for OBJ? Well, the thing I'm really worried about after today is Cooper cup, not being used enough in this offense. Son. Yeah. I, hey, been- I'm with you. What's going on here? I don't know. That's the thing that is the most concerning to me. But yeah, I mean, if you look at um, the beginning of the year, it definitely does seem like Stafford is not operating the way he was. Now, how much of that is injuries is hard for us to say, but it would make sense that injuries would be playing a role into this. Struggled against Tennessee, struggled against San Francisco. Uh, You know, a, a game that. I think a lot of people will feel like from a real life perspective was a little bit shaky today. Um, My understanding is a couple of bad throws from OBJ's perspective though. I think at this point, any game where you see him scoring scores for the first time in a long time, any game where you see him getting made a priority has to be pretty good. I am still not of the opinion that we see an OBJ that approximates what he did early on in his career. But I do think that you are looking at a player now that can be flirting with a wide receiver two type of finish on a weekly basis in terms of next year where I would be taking him as an LA Ram in an offense constituted like it is right now. Of course, if you have Robert Woods coming back, that kind of changes the story, but let's just pretend hypothetically you have this team exactly how it is now heading into next year. I'm still only taking OBJ though, probably as like a low level wide receiver two at best. Yeah, and I think I think wide receiver two is pretty aggressive, right? Like I would actually yeah. think of him more as like your your like your flex or your wide like you know yeah. first bench wide receiver, right? Right. Uh, so on my team, he would not be my wide receiver yeah. two. I could see people reaching for him around that like wide yeah. receiver 24, 25, 26 spot. That would be too high for me. Yeah, and, and and I can see a lot of people like talking themselves into the trap of better in best ball, right? Yep. But but um I don't know, man. It's it's still been like an Olympiad of of saying better in best ball, and he's just never done it. Dude, I feel right? like Van Jefferson would be the better player in best ball. Yeah, you would think, right? Especially given his, uh, given the way his uh, where his ADP will shake out versus OBJ's, whose name still carries a lot of like yes. you know name cachet. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, especially when you have Stafford. Um, yeah. And those other like Stafford to hit Jefferson on those plays as they open up, thanks to the fact that defenses are scheming for yeah. Cup, uh, you know, for Woods, for OBJ, even. And the other interesting thing that will shake out in that seat, that team next year is when Cam Akers comes back, what goes yeah. on with running backs? Um, if we see more targets being taken away when you have Henderson and Akers both playing. Um, yeah. or how, how that shakes out in the in the receiving course. So that's something else we'll have to pay attention to and keep in mind as we shift to 2022. Yeah, I agree. And and we knew this was going to be a good running matchup for the for the Niners uh with, against the Vikings, but you know, didn't expect this level of good uh where Elijah <laughs> Mitchell just sort of like you know tramples all over them for 133 yards and a score 
And he also, you know, was one of the target leaders and he caught five of them for 35 additional yards. Um, one, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, Elijah Mitchell himself and, you know, where he went in the draft. And two, uh, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on fantasy gamers sort of uh, falling for this draft capital, you know, red herring that it did, you know, the last time around that we saw with Joe Williams. Want to get your thoughts there as well, just on 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 um, just sort of how this backfield looks going forward as well, especially because because uh, uh, Trey Sermon got hurt today. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at this point it seems pretty clear to me that Mitchell is the piece yeah. that you want on yeah. your team. Oh, yeah. I think that regardless of what your priors were on him, you need to recognize now that you have a back that has shown his team he's capable of playing at an NFL level. That to some extent, it looks like he can shoulder the volume. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go out on a limb and say that this is the type of player that's going to perform in any situation. I think generally that's not how I view running backs, but where he finds himself right now, I think he's positioned for success. I would not be shocked though at all. If we still see them try to work in other options in the backfield, but as somebody that has had to rely on Mitchell, I feel pretty decent about him moving forward. I feel like there may have been another piece of that question. I, I did not address. Nope, you got all of it. Actually, I do. I do appreciate that you 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 got everything there, especially especially about you know. Well, I guess the the part about chasing draft capital was uh, because you know the the, the Niners traded up again for yep. a running back, yep. and we saw this happen with Joe Williams, right? Yep. And we were we were we were fairly down on him. Uh, you know, like like the like the Niners are similar to the Patriots, wherein you just want the cheapest running back. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will say that like, I did get excited about, um, Trey Sermon to some extent, you know, was going firm in rounds like eight and nine, but I think that the difference was it wasn't because the team traded up for him or where they took them because it was a player that I felt pretty decent about who landed in a good situation. So like with draft capital, I care um, if a team uses a first rounder on a running back because if they yeah. do, even though that's a mistake, it's a mistake that they're going to try to prove was the right decision. Yep. Um, outside of that, I try not to be too swayed. Like if JV and Hawkins, who I loved, right, had ended up in a good spot, if he'd end up on the Niners, I would have been going after him there, even like if he wasn't, you know, because he went undrafted, but I still would have been going because it's about the spot. Um, so that's really more how I play that. Like I care if a team overall gets greedy and then you know that they're going to have to try to justify the pick. Um, but yeah. trading up for a guy, you know, especially in a team like San Francisco where you know they're they're trying to use multiple backs, you yeah. can't be too swayed. So if it had been a, like a garbage back that I didn't think was any good, um, I probably would not have been, you know, making the move in round eight or nine. Yeah, but I thought it was actually a good play just because he was still cheaper than the actual hypothetical yeah, starting running right, back. Uh, yeah, that's Mostert. right. Mostert was still floating around. Where was he going? Like, I want to say like round six, right? Six. Yep. He yeah. was a very firm six. Very firm in the sixth. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the issue there, right? Because the poor guy, we haven't seen much of him. And, you know, this is like, it's a bit, it's a bit of a shame because we've got to see what he could do fully healthy and we just are never going to see it again. Yeah, unfortunately, at this point, his career is derailed. Poor guy. I mean, he's done. He's done really. He he kind of was the protocol Daryl Patterson, right? And so, yep. You know, you know. Hopefully, hopefully, we get to see it one more time. But who knows? 
Um, I did, I did want to get your thoughts here on, on the Vikings, the side of the ball. Um, so we, you know, we discussed, we discussed Alvin Cook earlier and there's, I mean, I know you didn't watch it. Yep. I saw a replay. It looked bad. All right. It looked like I was like, not, it's, if you're screamish, uh, don't find it because it's not, it's not for you. Um, it looked, it looked bad. I've never seen people or never seen teammates on their knees before for something that is theoretically, um, you know, a shoulder injury or, or a back injury. It seemed to be really, really bad. Uh, you know, like the, mm. the, and, 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 and cook was uh, crying as they were taking him off the field too. So, so I've never seen that happen. Uh, you know, and so hopefully cook cook, uh, is, feeling better but i did want to get your thoughts uh on on the, the receivers here because adam thielen caught five of his seven targets for 62 yards in a score um and, and justin jefferson although he saw nine targets he caught four of those for 83 you know with, with cook out of the picture there's like still you know a decent target share to go around like maybe 15 percent or so you know how many of these do you think get absorbed by jefferson and thielen and then the other guys as well right like the conklins and the madisons and the osbornes and people like that how would I you would be apportioning s- that out i feel like you probably only get an extra target a game for thielen right. and jefferson um not that i've done an extensive study on this but from paying attention to the numbers over recent seasons um you are kind of capped to some degree, those players yeah. that are at like the 24, 25, 26% of their offense. It's rare that they pick up a huge uptick when you have a player that's um, like a running back or a player that is a receiver, but operates in a specific role. It's, 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 it's not common. I don't believe that those targets then flow up to the two best wide receivers on the team. Um, so I think they get a little bit of a benefit if we don't have cook back there, but the mm-hmm. other thing to keep in mind is if they float in Alexander Madison or a mixture of him and some other backs, those guys are still going to get some of the, you right. Like they're still going to get some of those running back targets. I would imagine. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Cause we saw CJ ham get some run. Right. And I mean, like, yep. I mean like Madison is setting up as that league winning zero RB guy who kind of saw a bunch of run earlier. And I was going to see a bunch of run now. And it is, it is, um, it does come at, at at a pretty serious expense in Dalvin Cook, right? Because they're both very fun, explosive players to watch. I don't know, man. Like, like the the Vikings' offense is hypothetically a lot more fun than 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 what it is when watching them. Um, you know, I mean, Kirk Cousins has been <laughs> fairly disappointing. Like, uh, you know, like he was in a, he was in a hypothetical smash spot, but here he was disappointing us yet again. Well, hey, hey, hey. Let's be fair to Kirk Cousins because Cousins has carried a couple yeah. of my teams through some, some tough spots. I mean, the guy was a he's a QB one in seventy percent of weeks heading into I know this game. Hassan, uh, Cleveland, Detroit, and Dallas were the only games where he wasn't there. Uh, he's nine in PPR per game heading into it. The guy is seventh in completions, eight in completion percentage. Uh, if you look at some of the advanced stuff, he does pretty well. He's fifth in QBR. Let's give Kirk Cousins some damn respect. No, no, I, 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 I definitely agree with you there, right? Like he's definitely been very, very good. It's just, um, it's just he's an easy guy to punch down on because not very many <laughs> people like him. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. I think the thing with Kirk Cousins is too. He's like. Uh, one of those quarterbacks that's like just good enough, but he's not really going to 
do much to like secure unlikely victories, which is kind of an important thing for a quarterback to do if they want to make that jump to the next level in terms of uh, the respect to the, and the perceptions of the NFL fan base. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. And I, I guess I wanted to get, you know, do you think cousins is going to be a Viking next year or do you think the Vikes Vikings are going to actually move on here? There's been a lot of chatter about that. I kind of think that they would keep, well, if this, t- it's hard tough, to say right? this on, right? Because I think if he makes the playoff, like if they make the playoffs this year, they're a lot more incentivized to keep him around. I believe that they are still in the hunt with the way things are shaking out in the NFC. It's been an odd year in that things. Uh, I feel like there's not a lot of depth in either conference, especially in the AFC. There's not even really that many good teams, you know, in the NFC side of the equation, you have green Bay, Arizona kind of leading the charge there. Um, so it's possible that we see Minnesota get in. I mean, I think if they do, maybe you see cousins around. Um, I don't really, I don't know. Cousins it just, seems it like, the type of, yeah, it's, it's, like if I'm a franchise though, am I that excited about moving forward with Kirk cousins at this point in his career when I have an awesome young stud wide receiver like Justin Jefferson. But I mean, overall this team probably offensively has some things it needs to do to reshape its identity. Who knows what's going to happen with Dalvin cook. Dalvin cook might not be playing for them in the backfield next year. Um, so, you know, maybe they just blow the whole thing up. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but I do know I do know a team that should potentially be making or clearing up some cap space to bring in Cousins, and uh, we talked about them at the top of the uh, at the top of the pod. And that would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They could actually have a good smooth off ramp if he's going to be a free agent. Uh, that feels you know, like a pretty good fit for him. Yeah, it feels like he'd be a good fit for the team, right? If yeah. he's going to move on, but the Steelers they're also constructed to win now, and they just need a quarterback. If they're going to get one of, of like a you know NFL average caliber, you know all of a sudden they go into being an actual legitimate contender. They can kick the can on quarterback down uh, a few, uh, you know the road a little bit. Yeah, I mean at this point I don't know too much about the class that's coming out. Um, Doesn't look good, man. Does not look good. Right. Uh, so it, the the former one hundred and one Spencer Rattler was benched in season. Um, the hypothetical one-on-one also Sam Howell, uh, well, mm, he looked, uh, like a worse version of Zach Wilson this season. So, oh boy. So it's not, it's not, it's not all great. And I think, uh, Kenny Pickett, who's a Pittsburgh, uh, the pit, the pit quarterback who's a Heisman finalist is like 25 or something. Right. So you're getting yep. just a lot of, like a lot of very patchy, questionable quarterbacks. Yeah, so maybe it's not the year that it makes sense um, to go yeah. for it. So wow, if you see Kirk Cousins in Pittsburgh, I uh, I'll have to give you a call and let you know that I appreciate your you know your your prediction there. Yeah, it's I, I I see I still think it's very difficult to see him not being on the Vikings next year. Yeah, it just it just is difficult. I think really they, they might see a sea change in the coaching staff, but I was just trying mm-hmm. to find like fits, and that's the only one that jumps to the top of my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a compelling thought. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if any of our listeners have any ideas, please tweet at us uh, at HR5010 or uh, at Am I the Real Bear or even at Dave Cabin FF, uh, because that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. And very special thanks to Dave. You know, make sure you are following him on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF. Uh, remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening.